0: Welcome to the One Strong Mama podcast, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. We're talking with visionaries who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, Mama four, exercise physiologist, doula, and childbirth educator. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better. And I'm also passionate about coconut LaCroix.
1: And I'm Lauren O'Han, a mom of three girls, lover of all things tropical. I have never had coconut LaCroix, and I am known for my work with the core and pelvic floor. Today we are joined by one of my absolute besties, Agnes Kowalski. She is the most amazing mindset and money mindset coach. We talked about imposter syndrome, money
0: guilt, and the key to asking for money while doing what you love. So many of my doula friends really struggle to ask for payment. It's such a high burnout job, and Agnes gives us amazing tips for maintaining our energy while serving our population.
1: So without further ado, let's introduce Aggie. Agnes Kowalski is a therapist and mindset coach with more than 15 years of experience working with people, patterns, and prosperity. She teaches entrepreneurs, wellness experts, healers, and service providers how to optimize their belief systems, human design, and money mindset to create a successful life and business. Agnes has been featured in Forbes, MarketWatch, Bustle, and numerous other popular media. I want to start by saying that Aggie has been, like full disclosure, she's been my BFF since we were 15 and met in a bathroom in the Caribbean. Uh, the story it. goes that she stalked me and <laughs> I trusted her, so we're still friends. And Aggie is also one of the primary reasons that I ever brought my business online. So she is really like the, the uh, fire starter here of all of this. And I'm so excited that we are speaking to you today, Aggie. So can you start off by telling us about your beginnings and your own mindset story? Give us a little, um, teach me something about you that I don't know.
2: Mm, Something you don't know. Well, let's see what comes up. Thanks for having me today, ladies. Um, So my story around how I became doing what I'm doing is really started as a wee Polish child (laughs) um, immigrating to Canada with my parents, you know, money stories, which is how all our, you know, money stories begin um, and our mindset stories begin. Um, So a lot of scarcity, my parents were children of the war. Um, Their parents were survivors. So there was a lot of, intensity, emotional intensity around having, not having um, that I grew up with, you know, that got embedded. And that's, you know, true for all of us. I, I would say that that's probably how it all started, um, that I came to want to do work that helps people um, get out of their own stuff. And and in some ways I was the wounded healer myself, which is something I know we wanted to to touch on today. I wanted to heal myself, and in healing myself, I I wanted to heal other people. So that started off in therapy work and being a therapist. um, And it grew into me struggling with my own money mindset, you know, doing good work with people, them having, you know, great results. But somehow my income never really matched the work that I felt like I was doing. It didn't feel like Um, it was matching um, the lifestyle that I wanted and the results that I was getting. And so I started to really seriously take a look at my money mindset um, through different studies, through different mentors, and really getting to the nuts and bolts of my own money story um, to change my money ceiling. So After doing that for a few years and getting really good results, I then, you know, the online sort of coaching thing started and that's how I started to help other people do the same thing.
1: Amazing. And you are so amazing at what I love about your works, especially with what I've done with you, is how you're able to take what someone says and then reframe it in a way that they really understand their story from it and their beliefs and how they operate. I think you're really, really excellent at that.
0: Yeah. And I'm I'm super excited um, to talk to you for birth workers and for women and for people who work in this pregnancy field, because I've, I found that we all have a lot of money issues. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really excited to see, because I don't think a lot of people are talking about this in this space because we're service, you know, we're, we're so passionate about our work. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. we feel guilty, you know, making money off of something that we love so much. And so that's
1: a concept that you, is that what you use the wounded healer concept? Is that what that's about?
2: This is, yeah, the wounded healer is, and the shadow healer are both archetypes that Carl Jung, um, you know, originated that I think really come up in a money mindset scenario when we're talking about healers and service providers, um, and people who are doing work that one, the whole concept of the wounded healer is I heal because I need healing. Right. So Mm -hmm. I, I do the work I do because it heals me. Mm -hmm. So you can see how just that concept would make it weird for you to want to take money for it because you're getting something out of it.
0: That's right? super interesting. I mean, I think some birth workers, let's be real, get into birth because of their own crappy mm-hmm. birth stories. So if mm-hmm. they're trying to heal themselves, it makes perfect sense why they're feeling weird about the totally. money part.
2: Super interesting. Totally. So you want to you look at that piece, right? You want to look at Why did I get into it? And that's often why the sometimes, not often, but sometimes why it's not sustainable as a business because you're just there to heal, right? You didn't complete um, your healing. And so it continues throughout your work. And makes it difficult for it to be a business. So it's definitely something to look at because the things we don't complete healing, we end up kind of dragging around to other places where they don't necessarily need to go. Um, but if we separate that, we absolutely can't. There's also this idea of the shadow healer that wants to just give and give and give and heal and heal and heal and, heal and never looks at their own stuff.
0: Oh, That is, both of those are so applicable to birth workers. It's crazy. I've heard people call it um, oxytocin vampires because, Mm. you know, when you, when you go to a birth, it's super intense. It can be hard, but it can also be really cool. You know, seeing people have these huge, beautiful experiences and maybe if someone didn't have it themselves or maybe they just almost get a high out of experiencing that. And so that can be really hard. Well,
2: I love that term, oxytocin vampire. It's so dark. (laughs) I don't know where I found it, but Um, I love that because we are on the hunt for oxytocin to feel better, right? I mean, there's other ways to get it though, right? So if it's not working for you in the business sense, then there's other places to get it. Um, So yeah, that's very interesting and something to take a look at, like take a look at what, why did I get into this? What am I getting out of it? Am I refusing to look at my own healing because I'm in this process of giving so much and so generously that I'm always depleted, that I'm always exhausted and I never have enough time or energy to do my own work, right? Or my own Mm. self-care. And then it puts me in this position where I can never do it. Because not only are you serving your clients, you're also serving your family. And if you have one and then you, you know, um, you always have this very self righteous excuse for why you don't. Oh, so, that's the so mindset
1: good. issue here, though, is not where you're struggling to take money for what you're doing. You could have this issue and be making $7,000 a birth.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Yeah, you could. It could work both ways. It could be, if you're the wounded healer, you could have trouble with taking money for it because you recognize that you're you're getting out of it in a way that doesn't feel fair or doesn't feel clean. Um, Or yeah, it could also be this other issue where you are getting paid and you're like feeding off of um, not having to look at yourself, right? Because you're so overworked or so depleted.
1: Okay. That's interesting. And I definitely feel that, especially for me, people will ask me questions in my... Facebook groups all the time. And sometimes the answer is, you need to buy my program or you need to book a one to one with Lindsay mm-hmm. or I or one of the other teachers, you know, and that's hard to say because you're in a forum where you're giving advice. People are coming to you, they, they are so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. They can be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you want to feel authentic. You don't want to feel like you're giving them advice because at the end of it you want them to buy from you. Especially I know me and Lindsay are like, that's the we understand that our business will grow just because we we give advice. <laughs> you know, like yeah, giving all this. Yeah. But how do a lot of the a lot of people that I'm surrounded by, uh, the RYC teachers, they they're, you know, and I see it in myself. We struggle to ask for money when we're giving um. Advice like the integrity,
2: yeah, yeah. So I I love that you bring it up. You know, in this integrity framework, because we have this understanding that money should only be, be taken. Very purest ideal about it. When the reality is, it's an exchange, and we're the ones putting all this like judgment and stuff around it. And and we have to get comfortable if we're ever going to make money, if we're ever going to give ourselves the life that we desire via our businesses and our services, we have to get comfortable with taking. Mm. It's a part of the cycle of life.
1: And how, like, how do you do that? I feel very comfortable at this point. Um, at this point, well, yeah. And However, it was it not really... always like that, and it was very much tied into imposter syndrome with me mm-hmm. as well.
0: And I think maybe motherhood too, because especially when you're a mother of young, young kids, well, let's be real. I have a teenager now and it's the same. They're, they're, <laughs> they are, they are va- like vultures. They're sucking us dry and we yeah. get so used to just serve, serve, serving. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we feel guilty being the one receiving. I don't know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. And, and the, the whole guilt um, idea comes up a lot. And you want to take a little bit further of a look because guilt is kind of like a first layer or surface emotion where you you feel like you're doing something wrong. So it's, you're not quite mm-hmm. at the emotion. You're just aware that it feels like you're doing something wrong. Is what guilt is, right? You, you feel like you're in trouble. You feel like you're doing something you shouldn't be doing or you're doing something bad.
1: Which is so, a very primal kind of yeah. like long standing belief you can have. I mean, yeah. oh, like yeah. you just got caught with your hand in the cookie jar.
2: 100%. And these are things that are, um, you know, imprinted in our consciousness from from day one. Uh, about what to give and how to give and what to take and what not to take. And, uh, you know, you really have to examine the money story and see what's going on under, underneath it all, because there's feelings underneath the guilt and it has to do with emotionally completing something and finishing this thought or, or finishing this idea that um, came to you via your parents or your environment and, um, and really completing and deciding what are my values going to be around money? What is fair and what feels right? Because you can't tell yourself it's, you know, just consciously tell yourself, oh, you know, it's safe to um, charge $5,000 when you don't really believe it, right? We're not going to build the belief system that way. It doesn't work that way. So we have to incrementally make these small changes. So if... And of course, it depends on what stage of business you're at. um, Because as Lauren was saying, now she's comfortable asking certain pricing where previously she wasn't. And you develop these things, right? So if you get the same 10 questions, um, you know, every month, then you build an FAQ. So you can just direct people to something that doesn't feel like a draining exchange anymore. Mm, That's interesting. Right? So it's all about energetics. If it feels like it's draining and, you know, your awareness has to really be in check because you could be in draining mode all the time and just not really recognize it. You and know? don't some people
1: thrive in draining mode because they yeah. love to be a martyr? And it, at that, that act, yeah, yeah, for that sure, feeds them.
2: So you have to recognize, kind of, you know, pay attention like, how am I spending my energy? Because this is the currency of our life, energy is the currency that we're exchanging force so the hours the minutes and the seconds that we're exchanging with people is does is this right is it correct does it feel um, you know right to us um, and if we're not sure ask somebody right <laughs> ask somebody who cares about you does this seem right does this seem fair um, and have some back and forth with it because if you don't have a a standard or you know, an understanding of what's going on in the market, you, you don't, you also like could be underselling yourself or overgiving whichever way it happens to go.
1: Yeah. I remember I had this amazing defining moment where, because I'm, I'm really great in like, I can be very chatty in very specific social situations, but there's many others where I do not want to small talk for any amount of money. Like (laughs) Small talk is not my thing. I'm either going for the long run and the big deep dive, or I'm not interested in small talk. And I remember the moment where I was able to just shut it down every which way Mm -hmm. and how good it felt to recognize that it drained me. Like mm-hmm. talking when you told me about the person you spoke to next to on the plane for <laughs> three hours <laughs> and how she complained the entire time. Oh no, there's, that's there's awful. I could handle that. And I know oh. that about myself and I have developed an ability to shut it down, but I had to work on that mm. because I didn't even realize how draining it was because I allowed myself to be drawn into those scenarios because I am kind of a giving person. Mm -hmm. And so the moment where I, the first time I did it, it felt so weird to just shut the small talk down.
2: Yeah. Well, I love this distinction because I think when you're first in business um, and you're working in a healing modality, you often come from this place of
0: bonding with your client. Mm -hmm. So true. Especially doulas. I mean, we're going to be at one of the biggest... Yes, moments of their life. So it can be super bonding,
2: super bonding. And sometimes that's not healthy at a certain point. Like I see the difference between people who are bonding at an, like bonding, like almost overly bonded with their client. yeah, And then someone who's a leader for their client. Mm -hmm. That's huge.
0: That's so huge. You know, and I used to be like, why don't I, I'm fine if my clients Facebook friend me, but I'm not going out of my way to Facebook friend all of them and Mm -hmm. reach out to them after the birth is done besides, you know, of course, to set up our postpartum work together. I'm not trying to friend all of them. And granted, a couple of my clients have become friends, but uh, it's quite rare. And I find that, I don't know, doulas are, maybe it's because we have a lot of people have imposter syndrome and they're like, I just want to give, give, give emotionally Mm -hmm. and become super close with them because that's a way of earning my Mm -hmm. money that I charge. I don't know.
1: But there's close and there's close. Like I develop a very close bond to a lot of the women that come to see me at workshops and teacher training, but I don't go out and have dinner with them every night. I don't talk to them on the phone every week. I don't have a, the the, the relationship is perfect the way it is without needing to be a lot of back and forth.
0: Yeah. Right.
2: I think, yeah so so making this distinction of you know just the different levels of leadership that you can be in and recognizing that as a professional in something you are being hired to to lead them through something and that changes the the energy and the context of the relationship and also you know sh- like it it allows you to to show up in a different way um That you can still be close, but then it also makes everything a little less personal in terms of the money, in terms of the boundaries, in terms of what you're offering, right? You can then now step into your business identity and having, we want it all integrated, but you want to be clear that there is a business identity um, as a part of this.
0: Whole, yes, right? Totally. And don't feel, I feel like doulas feel guilty about that. And I don't understand it. We wouldn't go and get our hair cut and be like, well, I'm kind of friends with my hairdresser, so I'm not going to pay them. Mm-hmm. But yet, for some reason, for doulas, they're constantly trying to give people go, go to free births, which I'm not against. There's a time and a place for mm-hmm. all things like that. But we're trying to, constantly discount our work and constantly being like, oh, it's okay. And I've heard stories of people being like, well, they, they haven't paid my, my bill. What do I do? And I'm like, tell them, you know, like send them an email and we feel it's crazy how guilty people feel. Well, and it's a muscle to
2: develop, right? Because as you grow in your experience, your, your authority is growing and you have to work that muscle little by little.
1: Um, that's
0: right. Yeah. I remember
1: I got an email from a client that was like 10 pages long and I called you Aggie and I was like, what do I do?
0: This episode is brought to you by the one strong mama program, the game changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth and beyond based on the body ready method. Teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more.
1: I got this email. It just, she's bought my program. She has a lot of questions. I feel like it's my duty to answer them, but this is going to take me hours to answer her. What do I do? And you gave me the best advice. You were like, tell her in a really kind way. I would love to discuss this with you. We can do a 15 minute phone call or uh, you can book me, <laughs> and it was so simple. Yeah. Like, or you can book me, and and that's what I did. I and she immediately booked me and was like, "Of course, I want to book you. I feel like people don't." And I would have never done that had you not suggested that. Like, I would have probably just spent the hours writing an email. But you gave me permission, so to speak, to yeah. just <laughs> put my boundary up, which was not a normal, natural thing for me to do because I right. do have boundary issues, which is why I'm really clear on my boundaries now.
2: Well, and I think that's really what makes a successful business and a successful leader oftentimes is really understanding that there's a place where, because people will want to go to the extreme, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I either have no boundaries or I'm so super rigid and this is my price and this mm-hmm. is, right? Yeah, that's bad too. And we don't want to, to do that either. We want to find this place of balance that feels respectful to both sides um, and respects the nature of exchange and the nature of an energetic exchange. And remembering that when we're soft with our boundaries, they're going to be soft. They can't, they can't react a different way. They're never going to say, okay, I better pay you now. If you're not holding (laughs) on the other end of that vibrational string, you're not holding, I respect my work. They're also not holding it. They're they're also holding the same string you're holding. And if it's um, soft and it says, pay me whenever, that's exactly the message. You don't have to say a word and people will know that.
1: Mm-hmm. That's so true. You and I uh, went on vacation a few months ago and we took a walk and we were talking about leaders and leadership and you said okay. to me something that no one had ever said. And it took me a minute to believe you where you said, people are drawn to you because they want your energy. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I asked you why Why are people, something about people booking you, how mm-hmm. do you, and you said, they want it, they want my energy. And I was like, that's a little cocky. <laughs> but then I got it when you said to me, they want your energy. Well, I didn't get it in the moment. I was like, I don't even know what you mean by that. What energy? And you described all these qualities, like my confidence. And I'm not going to just like pat myself on the back (laughs) for an hour. Go for it, Lauren. But no, 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 no. Because in the same way, Aggie, you were like, these are the reasons why people will pay me is just to rise to my energy because it, it inspires them. To have the same qualities. Energy is a funny word, it can sound woo. So, you know, um, personality traits, you know, so people often will hang around with other people who inspire them. And I had never thought of that. I was like, well, I just thought people hung around with me because I know my work well and I know how to explain it well, it makes sense, it's logical. But you were like, no, mm-mm. a different person would explain all the same things and people won't follow them unless they have those leadership, like they're inspiring. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. Can you talk more about that, Aggie, like that idea of energetics and inspiring and all Yeah.
2: That. I think, you know, in the, in the way that, for example, if you If you play with, um, you know, someone who's better at chess than you, or someone who's better at tennis than you, Mm -hmm. you will rise, right? Your your talent will rise to to play with them at the same level. Like that's just a naturally occurring thing that happens. And if you're playing with someone who's worse than you, you you will likely play worse, right? So someone who has more experience or, or different talent or different energy you will rise to. And I think naturally as part of our survival, we do that. We will go to the, the person who's leading because most of us, if you've never looked up your human design, um, then I encourage you to do so at mybodygraph.com. No affiliations, just go look it up. Um, most Is that of like us- an
1: enneagram?
2: Yeah. It's, it's based on astrological stuff and it's insanely accurate after hundreds of people that I've worked with have done it. It's, I mean, very few people tell me it doesn't resonate. It's almost never happened. Um, So if you're curious about your design, um, it's just another way of knowing yourself that is helpful, but most of us are designed to be worker bees. Like 70% of the population, we're here to work and we like working and we like building things. It's why the world is running, right? Because many of us really like to work. Um, And then there's some of us who are, who are meant to lead really truly. I think all of us are meant to lead on a certain level, but there's other of us whose energy we rise to that we follow. And I think it's a natural instinct to look at, you know, to look around and be like, who's leading? Mm-hmm. I, and, and gravitate to that and calibrate to that. Um, you know, whether it's it's Lauren or Lindsay or like the Katie Bowmans or like who or somebody in business that inspires you, I think that's a natural thing because there's nothing new under the sun. there's no nothing really new that people, I mean, I'm sure there's researchers somewhere discovering something new, but we're all kind of selling things that have been sold before. And so the differentiation and the uniqueness is about really how you you are energetically and the standards to which you hold yourself. And I think a lot of the time, this is really what draws people is is how you're living your own life. I often say to clients, if a client was a fly on the wall um, of your life, how would you feel about it?
1: (laughs) Mm, That's a great question. Right?
2: So that you're not just out there doing the work, but you're doing it in your home. Because I know Lauren so intimately, I see her doing the work on herself and have been for the last, you know, 30 years. So I I've seen the difference between people who do the work or provide information and people who are living that information, people who are living the program that they're selling people who are living the, um, the pillars of their business, and that 's really what people want to rise to energetically so it's it's more than just selling something right it 's about like living the work that you sell and yeah, is that a tall order? Yeah, it kind of is, <laughs> but if you want to make a lot of money that's that's you know that's the real depth of integrity is are you like living what you 're selling
0: so my question is. This whole idea of fake it till you make it, and I use this early on in my business. And I want you, I want to hear if what you think about it. So when you're new, say I'm a new doula. I'm going. You go on interviews with potential clients, and it's really easy. I saw a lot of new doulas saying, like, "Well, I'm a new doula, but I'm only this much money, and I don't have a lot of experience. But I'd be honored to go to your birth." And I t- basically told them, like, "Stop it! You have lots of valid." Great mm-hmm. stuff. Why are you? It's not that we're lying and saying like I've only been to three births, but why are you? Why why do you lead the conversation with that? Why can't you just be like, I'm Lindsay. You know, I have three kids. I have th- this experience. You know, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes we almost try to talk people out. Of, yeah.
2: Well, I, I think it's yeah. I think it's the definitely um, this this idea that you can only serve when you're a master and there's plenty of people you can serve from where you are right now. So yeah, like not fake it till you make it face it till you make it. Ah, There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So that's a better sort of perspective because we need evidence um, that we're good at it, which, you know, for people who are just beginning in the business write down a hundred things that you've learned from your three births.
0: Mm, Give
2: your brain evidence immediately of how much you've already learned. Um, Give yourself evidence of the natural gifts that you have. Do this all the time. These small acts um, really affect your brain because your brain is looking for evidence to make something a solid belief, a 3D belief in your world. So the more that you collect every, you know, after every birth, like immediate testimonial, write it down for them. How was that for you? What did it help? Like, I mean, obviously not right after, but like (laughs) on your follow-up, you know what I mean? You do the work, collect the testimonials. People so often don't do this and it's, Missing out on the stuff that really your brain can then return to as fact, right? Versus your own just theory. And there's times you know, well, you have a downtime or you're not feeling confident where you can return to these things. So, um, yes, I think in the evolution as you grow as a business owner, you do have to think about living your work, and it helps you evolve. And it's oftentimes when people really get into a, um, an amazing place in leadership. And, and at the beginning you can lead from where you are right now, guaranteed Mm -hmm. for sure. There's people that you can bring, um, into what you've already learned from where you are now, who you can serve now without diminishing yourself in the process. And I think that's just a habitual, uh, thing that we're taught to do is to lead with diminishment because it's polite and it's, um, Gracious and all these sort of qualities that so
1: midwestern (laughs) are revered, yeah, (laughs) it's so true. It's so, it's so, um, I don't want to call it patriarchal, but like women have been been trained to be in service and of service and to feel bad, um, for taking and to feel bad for being selfish and to feel bad for being, um, self motivated, Mm -hmm. you know. We haven't we haven't been trained to be f- fierce and uh, like like so many terms we are labeled so many things when we when we are headstrong right and all of those mm-hmm. labels are really negative
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: oh you're so headstrong oh like you know it's not it's frowned upon for women to be determined and successful and of course in certain circles it's not but i think the overwhelming Feeling tone is still there, and so I think a lot of us really have to get over that in order to, you know, and then we're called names like ballsy, and and yeah, which
0: it's all like good if you're a man, but if you're a woman, totally, it's frowned upon, yeah, Mm -hmm. and
2: and I also think that you can have both, you know, that that we have an innate softness, um, that that we, we have to learn to live in the paradox, right? That we have both, that we, we also don't want to be on the, on the other spectrum, which is rigid, right? We want to be in that place that's balanced. And, you know, cause some of us don't want to, like, we don't want to lose our softness because it's a really integral part of our work. And we just have to get comfortable in the paradox and build those muscles that are weak in terms of standing in our context. Confidence and standing in our worth and being able to ask for, and it's scary. And then it passes, right? The anticipation of the fear of what we're want to ask for or want to receive is like, you know, it's like experiencing the pain twice. Someone might say no, but you anticipating that they're going to say no is like you having that experience twice. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, of, and that failure is part of business and you learn every time somebody says no, or every time it doesn't, you don't get the price that you want. You're learning, right? It's, it's a lesson of some kind, or it's a memory that you've made. And either of those are building towards, um, you know, your long-term vision. And I think a lot of people in business in the beginning. Um, don't have this like bigger vision that they're really running a business that they're really doing this bigger thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, they give up very quickly, right? They just, Oh, like, I'll just, hopefully people will refer me and they don't allow it to be this really sacred vehicle for them. Just as money can be really sacred, you know? And when, when I hear people say like often in the healing, um, types of businesses, you know, I don't need to earn a lot. I just need like, I just want a little bit more to help my family out and I often say this phrase that was made famous by Joe Polish is, um, someone who doesn't want a million dollars never gave a million away. Mm-hmm. That, and it,
0: that's powerful. I like that. Yeah.
2: And it really allows you to have this feeling of like, wow, you know, it is really just kind of small and, and self-serving If all I'm looking for is to just, you know, a little bit more for me. Well, why don't you get a lot more and then everybody can eat? <laughs> Cause then you can put, you know, you can put that back into the economy in ways that are powerful to you and that you believe in. Right. So, um,
1: yeah, it's it, like people don't believe they can be big. They don't believe they can be huge in mm-hmm. their field. They can yeah. go far. And
2: that, that money taking and business it can be a sacred process. It can be really special and it can be really sacred and incredible and transformative things can happen. And sometimes things aren't going to be like that. And that's part of the whole game, right? Is that it's a paradox and we have to sit in it. When we sit in business, we have to sit on these two sides, healer, business person identities, um, and we have to find the balance. Mm.
1: That is so interesting. Um, I I feel like so many people in business have no idea that they have these belief and mindset blocks. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need that much to be happy. And I know that when you and I first started talking about all this, I would always say to you, I don't even know what you mean when you say mindset. Like, what does that even mean, money mindset? you know?" And you would use different terminology. And I was like, oh, you mean like belief systems about like what you are worthy of or what you're deserving of or what you can do or what you're capable of doing. I mean, I grew up with a, you know, my, you know, my dad very well, he is Moroccan and he was always like, you need to marry a doctor. You know, I was always <laughs> basically told, and I love my dad, we're very close, but his, and he last night was screaming at me at dinner because he found out that I'm traveling to work for 3 weeks and he was like how could you how could you leave your family for 3 weeks <laughs> and I was like you you were gone half my childhood for work you know but you know so it's like when when somebody is constantly feeding you the story of what you should be you should be you know you should be a mother to your children who doesn't ever work or travel and you should just marry someone rich i mean that was the message ultimately mm-hmm. that i got growing up mm-hmm. and so it was never I was always the person who was like, oh, I'll just work at, you know, I'll just teach yoga for, you know, I'll just, oh, whatever. I didn't really shoot for the bigger things until you basically forced me to. So, you know, how do people, (laughs) how do people, how do people recognize that they are in a story? Because I didn't know I was in a story until you showed it to me.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it happened, It can happen in a variety of ways. Sometimes money will be the messenger of that reality, you know, where it will come to a point where you have to make money at this business, that you can no longer sacrifice this time and energy or like certain things, circumstances will um, occur in your life that make money the messenger and the medicine. So you're going to have to start making money now because it's come to this point. And, you know, if people lose their jobs or you're like the breadwinner situation changes. So sometimes it happens like that. The other way, you know, you have mindset blocks is that you're doing all the right things in quotation marks, right? You're marketing, you're um, managing your money, you have a business properly set up, you're, you know, doing good work. Like you're doing all the right things and money should be coming, but it's not. And that can be a really good sign that if on paper it looks like I should be somewhere, but I'm not, that you have mindset stuff going on. Sometimes people don't make money or don't sell because they're afraid of screwing up. They're afraid, like they don't have the confidence in that moment and that could be a mindset thing. Sometimes people are not selling because they don't want to make more money than their partner and then lose the, um, you know, the, lose the, the support of that person. Sometimes they don't want them. They don't want more clients unconsciously because they don't want to take that time away from their kids there's so many ways that it, and it's not conscious guys this is subconscious stuff um and i have some great exercises in my selfish masterclass which is a free masterclass you guys can sign up for um to rewatch is to figure out how how you make these unconscious things conscious um and get at these stories that are buried because the reality is 90% of what we're doing is based on our unconscious. Only 10% is conscious, they say. And that's, you you can't do that much. You don't have that much willpower if you only have 10%. (laughs) You have to get into those stories. What did mom think? What did dad think? What did, you know, the people around me think? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what does my partner think? What will my kids, like getting all this stuff out is very important
1: work in clearing the path um, to being able to receive. Right. I know. Every time I have to talk to my dad now, I cringe because I'm like, he's just going to lambast me for being successful ultimately. <laughs> and luckily <laughs> That's so I was- so funny. I mean, luckily, yeah. I mean, I should have just been like tending to the kitchen and marrying a rich doctor. That's but, so look- funny.
0: My family is literally the opposite. Like, right. I, I, it was, I, it was never a question that I completed a college degree. Like, if I had decided to go into something that didn't require that, it would be because I got married young. Like, I was mm-hmm. nineteen when I got married, and my family's biggest fear was that I was not going to be successful because I was just going to start having babies.
1: Right. So my father was very like, I had to go to college, but you okay. know, then marry the lawyer. Oh, find the doctor. Find him at college. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course.
2: Yeah. But, and you know, for some people it's going to be just working hard. Like that's what makes you a valuable person mm-hmm. is working as hard as you possibly can. And no one's saying you don't have to work hard in business. It's what's the internal process of that working hard? Like, is it working? Are you working smart? Are you, or are you just grinding yourself into a pulp and is working hard the only way to get there? Well, no, it's not. And that also has to do with your design is like, how are you supposed to work? And are like, maybe networking is the way that you're supposed to work. Maybe showing up and teaching is the way you're supposed to work. Maybe influencing people, maybe collaborating. Like there's so many ways to work, but Mm -hmm. if The only wiring we have is like hard work is the only way. Well, how can you do that? You only have the same 24 hours, right? And if yours are busy with kids and a partner, you have to really be efficient in your habits and how you grow your business.
1: Such a good point. We only have a few minutes. I would love for you to tell our listeners where they can find you out on the socials, but also if you want to just talk about um, anything that you have coming up, a course or anything, bear in mind that this might not air until for a few weeks. So, um, but promote yourself away.
2: Okay. Well, I, you can find me at agneskowalski.com. That's my website, um, which has all my latest offerings. Um, email me directly for the masterclass, which I highly encourage, um, Anyone who's listening to to grab it's free. It's an hour of really good mindset work with actionable steps um, for you guys to start using immediately on all of these concepts we've talked about. Um, I'm on Instagram as Agnes Kowalski and Facebook as well, and those are the main places I hang out. But feel free to just email me via my website if you have questions. Um, I have over a hundred videos on YouTube as well, so connect with me. Let's connect. We grow faster together. We heal faster together. And if there's one message that I want to leave you with, it's that um, emotional isolation is real and it will prevent you from growing in all areas of your life, including your business. So If there's one thing you can do, go to Lauren's group, go to Lindsay's group, um, come to, you know, email me, but get out of emotional isolation because entrepreneurship is hard and it's really hard by yourself. So just make sure you're not alone and be with other people and talk about what's going on because the, not having that emotional completion keeps us stuck.
1: And I just want to say, though, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I know a lot of people who buy all the courses and do all the marketing Mm -hmm. and pay for all the things, but again, their mindset issue, their beliefs are not in harmony with their actions. And Mm -hmm. they're racking up courses and coaches and, (laughs) you know, ticking off all the boxes of what you should do as a business. They have the funnels and schmunnels. But again, there is some subconscious, unconscious. Thing yeah. working against them. So, yeah, don't isolate yourself, but also do the mindset work. <laughs> also, do the mindset work.
2: Absolutely. And the simplest way to do it is just start writing your thoughts on what you think. Um, Because when you have a thought and it joins with a belief, you now have a feeling and you've now started manifesting whatever it is you're thinking about. So that's how quickly it happens. And we repeat these cycles until it's like sliding down a ski slope. It's so easy to just go into doubt, into negativity, into not trusting yourself because these grooves in our brain have been so established. So, the first way to do that is just start writing down, what am I thinking? What do I think about money? What do I think about business? What do I think? And lo- start looking at, a, at it objectively as an observer of what you think um, versus being um, totally emotion like in the emotions of what you're thinking. Because when emotions are high, intelligence is low and then we can't make smart decisions for ourselves.
1: Ooh, so smart. Thank you. It has been amazing talking. Of course, now I'm like, um, can we have another hour? Because I want I know, to know. We need all to do that. a
0: part two. We need to do a part two for sure. I'm down.
1: Let's do it. I already told Lindsay, I was like, I think we should do two hours.
0: Right? Oh my gosh. Well, the mindset stuff is just so applicable to this population. I feel like as birth workers, people working with pregnant people, we just really struggle with it. And just women, and a high percentage of birth workers are women. Mm-hmm. So, or people who present as a woman so it's it 's a lot it 's yeah, inspiring
1: to know that we can though it 's inspiring to know that we can be leaders and educators and business women and get what we 're worth and do it without the hemming and hawing and apologies and oh i 'm sorry oh i 'm sorry you know we can really firmly like one of the biggest things I got from working with you was like just this standing firmly in my in my business without being a bitch about it, or without being intense. Yeah. I mean, I am intense, but you know, <laughs> like being. I, but really, honestly, like I think there's something to be said for a lot of us struggle to ask for what we need without all of the.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I. I mean, uh, you know. Yeah. Struggle- oh yeah, Lauren. You always when I'm such a Midwestern. Whenever Midwesterner, whenever I go to Miami and we're doing something, you're like Lindsay. Stop apologizing. So just I really say, got that from you. Just say what you need.
1: Yeah. Just say I'm what like, you need. I need this. I'm not sorry. Right. <laughs> and sometimes I tell people, you're not confrontational. You're just getting clarity. That's it. You're just being clear. Yeah. And yeah. people struggle with that. So I think we need a part two. Aggie, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. so much for having me and thank you for having this space um,
2: for women. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you all for listening to the One Strong Mama podcast for birth professionals. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and a review. We really do appreciate all of the support. If you are a birth worker with an inspiring client, or if you have a birth pro in mind that we should definitely chat with, please email us at podcast at onestrongmama.com. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at One Strong Mama Prenatal for tips for all stages of pregnancy. And definitely join in on the discussion in the One Strong Mama Facebook community group. See you here next time.
0: This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the body-ready method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more.